Well, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, and we continue on in our messages about the picture of love. And tonight we are actually in part 11, believe it or not, part 11 of the picture of love, and we are in verse number 6. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 6, and tonight we're going to be talking about its pleasure, its pleasure, the pleasure of love. Notice uh, verse number 6 where he concludes the, the verse here by saying that love, notice, rejoiceth in the truth. Now, he just got through telling us what love doesn't do. And uh, it rejoiceth not in iniquity. Well, you know, that, that alone identifies a, a lot of people right there, those that do rejoice in things that are unrighteous, things that are offensive to God, and nothing makes them happier than to, uh, you know, to plunge head first into some sin that is a, a violation of God's law, some sin that is offensive to God, and and it doesn't bother them at all. So that tells you a lot. But love doesn't do that. But uh, notice here he speaks about the pleasure of love, that it rejoiceth in the truth. And uh, reading different authors, you know, different preachers and their comments on this, uh, I quickly noticed that there was a division well, if you want to get confused, just read a lot of commentaries by different preachers. Uh, nobody's more confused than, 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 than preachers, I don't guess. But uh, all of a sudden, I began to realize that, uh, that there was a divide here as to what is implied by the word truth. Uh, some point out that, you know, it refers to what is right and what is good as opposed to what is unrighteous. And others put all of the emphasis upon the fact that it's a reference here to God's Word. You know, and my first and last and final thought is, good night, it's not that difficult. It obviously would include all of those things. When you speak about the truth, you know, you're talking about that which is right. And that which is right is that which is in accord with the Word of God. If it's not in accordance to God's Word, then you know that, that it's not right. And so all of those things are included in this. And, that, you know, I, I mention all of that to say that sometimes, you know, we, we complicate matters when we really don't need to. It just, you know, just take it like it is. God said, you know, what he meant and meant what he said. And when he speaks about the truth, it, you know, it can have reference to the word of God or to that which is good and that which is right. Love rejoices in what is right, what is good, what is just, what is honest, regardless of the form that it appears in. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, restricted to the pages of the Bible. Uh, uh, truth is truth. And uh, naturally, the Bible is all truth, but you can find tidbits of truth in other places. And wherever we find the truth, 
It ought to be cause for rejoicing, and it will be if our heart is right, if we're motivated by love. But tonight I want us to think about this, hopefully in a very practical way. And, I, you know, the difficult part about studying this chapter has been the fact that you, you, you just don't know how much material to try to cover. I, you know, you look at this one little short phrase, and, you, you, you know, you think to yourself, well, my, but uh, there's so much more that could be said, and maybe I need to move on to the next thought. And I realize that some of the messages are not as long as normal. Of course, I, I don't know of anybody to vote against that. I've only had that happen one time in my 50-year ministry. Uh, literally had, had, had a couple decided they were going to leave the church because they didn't preach long enough. And I always preach at least 45 minutes back in those days and sometimes an hour. But uh, but for the most part, people are satisfied, you know, with the message being shorter than normal. Uh, you, you know, it's it's not necessarily how much you uh, how, how much you eat. It's how much you digest, how much you assimilate into your body that really does you good. You know, the, you take some of these, uh, uh, especially teenage girls, you know, that have the, the problem with eating, and they'll go in and just gorge, and then they'll go to the bathroom and purge and get rid of all of it. Well, that didn't help them a bit. You know, we could spend two or three hours talking about everything that's in this chapter but but only what we retain in our mind is going to be of any benefit to our life. And so tonight we're just going to take this one little bit, and, and I'm already looking at verse 7 and how it starts, and I really I just can't wait to get on that first part where it says that love beareth all things. I, I'd, I'd like to talk about that tonight, but I'm going to try to stay away from that and just focus on the fact the pleasure of love. Love rejoiceth in the truth. And I want to, I want to say three things that, that, that hopefully will be of practical value to everyone. Number one, love rejoices in what God declares. Love rejoices in what God declares. You see, the person that loves God has no quarrel with what the Bible says. I, one of the morning manners this week was quarreling with providence. Now, providence is God doing what God wants to do. And there are a lot of people who want to quarrel with that. That's why, you know, they don't have any peace. That's why they don't have any joy, because they're never satisfied because God does stuff, you know, and allows stuff in their life. They don't understand it. They don't appreciate it. They don't like it. And so consequently, they want to argue with God about that. Well, you know, we're a whole lot better just to accept the fact that if it comes from God, whether he causes it or whether he allows it, then you know that it's for some good because God doesn't make any mistakes, right? And so we ought to just accept that as some good in our life. And even though we don't know the reason, we know there is a reason and that ought to be good enough. Well, listen, Whenever we truly love God, we're not going to have any quarrel with what the Bible says. Now, we might not understand what the Bible says in a particular place. 
I mean, after all of these years, there's still things in the Bible I don't understand. There are things, you know, that my, you know, I just can't wrap my mind around and, uh, and, and I never will, by the way, because that, that's exactly the way God designed it to be. You don't have to understand everything in God's Word in order to appreciate God's Word. So you might not understand it, but if you love God, you will accept it as fact. You know, because God said it, that, that is a fact. So you establish that, and, um, and, and so you, you receive it. Now, we don't just receive it. Now, I want to emphasize that we're talking about love and the fact that love rejoiceth in the truth. So this is more than just receiving God's Word, admitting that it's true. It's actually rejoicing in it. Because you, you, know, you might open up your Bible somewhere and read it and say, yeah, well, I don't understand that. But I know this is true, and I'm willing to accept it. Now, you know, that's one thing, but to rejoice in it is something that is altogether different than that. Actually, to rejoice in what the Bible says. If you've never read and studied Psalms 119, the longest chapter in all of the Bible, you need to do that. I, I've talked through it, and, uh, and, and boy, it's, it's so good because the theme of that entire psalm has to do with the Word of God. Uh, let, let me just read a few verses from there tonight related to the psalmist's attitude concerning the truth. Verse 72, for example, he says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Wow. I mean, listen, that's saying something. Verse 127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above Fine gold. Then one, verse 162, and we'll, we'll stop. But I'm reading these just to give you some idea as to, as to what this, this psalm is all about. He says, I rejoice at thy word is one that findeth great spoil. I remember when I was a kid walking down the street and, uh, and I found a $20 bill. Now, a $20 bill back then was about a week's salary. I mean, that was a lot of money. And uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never know why I told Mom I found it. That's one of the few honest things I ever did. But I went home, and I was so excited. I, I was just, you know, walking, walking on, on air. And so I get home, and I told Mom, and... So she starts an investigation in the neighborhood. You know, I thought, leave it alone. I've got $20, you know, just forget it. And finally, finally, she found out uh, who that money belonged to. At least they said it did. They got it. They ended up with the money anyway. I didn't even get a reward out of it. But I'll tell you what, I was ex super excited over the fact that I found that money. And I don't know if that's the day that it started or not, but Mom always said, I can tell Harold David coming down the road from a mile away because he always walks with his head down. Well, of course I do. I'm looking for stuff. 
You can't find anything looking up there in the air. I'm looking for arrowheads. I'm looking for, you know, something that somebody lost. I'm looking for stuff. That's the way, I, way that I walk. But when, when you find something like that and you know, you know it's valuable and, and consequently you rejoice as a result of it. Well, the psalmist was that way in regards to the truth. Whenever he discovered the truth of God's word, he said, I rejoice in it like somebody that found great spoils. You know, I'm really amazed by those that talk about loving God, how much they love the Lord, and it is apparent that they despise what the Word of God teaches. And let me tell you, folks like that do not understand what real true love is really all about because whenever we love God, we're going to accept what God says as the truth. Now, when I say we're going to accept it, I don't mean that we're just going to acknowledge it as fact. I mean, we're going to obey it as the truth. You know, it's one thing to look in the Bible and read a verse of scripture and say, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I know, I know that's right, you know, because of past experience or because of all of the evidence. I, yeah, I know that's right. That, 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 that's a fact. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to obey it. But whenever we truly love the truth, have a genuine love for what is true, we'll not only rejoice about it, but we're going to be willing to obey it. And the amazing thing is a lot of folks go to great lengths trying to explain away what the Bible teaches. The reason they do that is because they resent it, and they resent it because it doesn't fit with their lifestyle. Now, just this week I read something, and uh, I won't go into any detail, something that this person had written, and, and it was basically all Scripture. And you think, well, you know, that'd be wonderful, you know, to post something that is all Scripture, you know, that that looks great. But the entire purpose of it is stated was to try to justify their sinful lifestyle. It is so amazing to me that someone would even try to use the Scripture against itself to justify the, the sin that's in their life, you see. Now, let me tell you, this is just as true of religious people, maybe more so than it is with other people. Because a lot of religions are really based on nothing more than emotion. It's all a matter of feeling. It's, you know, they're, they're not all of that concerned about what's true and what's right. In their mind, it's the feelings that that are most important. You'd be really amazed. You'd be shocked if you knew how ignorant some of these famous preachers really are. I'm talking about those that are getting paid millions of dollars every year. Those that are on national TV every week or even every day. And they could not give you a scriptural definition of the gospel if they had to. They could not scripturally define the Lord's church. Now remember, we're talking about the Lord's church, the pillar and ground of the truth, right? We're talking about the only institution Jesus Christ ever established. They have absolutely no idea 
what the church really is. There's no way to define it. As far as they're concerned, that's just when a bunch of people that profess to be Christians, whenever you know they, they decide to get together and do whatever they want to do. So they have no appreciation for what the Bible says regarding these things. And the only thing important to those people are the feelings that they get out of what they do. I said this morning, you know, being born and raised in Springfield, Missouri, and it was the, that's the national headquarters of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. It just so happens that it's also the international headquarters of the Assemblies of God Church and also the Pentecostal group also. And so, you know, you've got all of, all of those people right there in that one town that was back whenever, you know, I was younger. There's about 60,000 people there. And yet all of those three major groups. So I mention that because I, from experience, can tell you I know a little bit about how some of those people think that are involved in the charismatic movement. They don't care what the Bible teaches. All they care is what feelings they get out of it. I can remember as a boy peeking in the window of a church next door to where my buddy lived and watching them swing, literally swing from the rafters and do the most crazy stuff you've ever seen in your life. And that was supposed to be worship. Now, look, you don't have to go to that extreme for you to be going in the wrong direction. You don't have to go to that extreme uh, in order to be wrong. And I'm telling you, the thing that, that motivates a lot of the preachers today is the fact that they want to build a big congregation because of all of the fringe benefits of it. And so they go to starting satellite churches here and there. Maybe they can't even be there. They're on, you know, they have them on a big screen up there somewhere. You know, the so-called pastor in a church across town or out of town, he's running the show there, and he's not even there, you see. They have no idea of what the church is really all about. Now, I'm saying all that for a reason. Love rejoices in the truth. And this, this matter of religion, just doing, you know, whatever you can to make people feel good, to make them happy, uh, you, you know, that's not the thing that's pleasing to God. Love rejoices in the truth, whether, whether it's a command to obey. You, you know, we look at certain parts of the Bible and and man, I did. I love that. There is the truth concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that is our blessed hope. Man, we love that. But how much in love are you with the commandments? And if you go back to Psalms 119 and read through that, you'll notice. Remember, he didn't have the New Testament like we do. He didn't know a lot of the stuff that we know today. And he rejoices in the commandments. I'm telling you, love will rejoice in the truth even when the truth is a commandment to obey. Love will rejoice in the truth even when it is a fact to confirm. You know, facts, listen, facts can be rather boring things sometimes. They're not nearly exciting as, you know, let's, let's say prophecy. But, but, but a lot of times the truth comes to us in the Bible in the form of just a fact that confirms something else. But we ought, listen, we ought to rejoice in that because we ought to love the truth. 
And, and certainly we ought to love the truth when it comes to a promise to claim. We ought to love the truth even if it is a warning to heed. Think about that. A lot of people, you know, they don't mind preaching about heaven, but boy, they don't enjoy preaching about hell. They don't want the preacher to preach one of those messages that's warning the people, you know, you better repent or perish and so forth. But I tell you, when you come to understand what the truth is all about, really, you're, you're going to love the truth whenever you discover here is a warning that I need to heed. Why? Because it's for your own good. It might be an instruction to share. It might be some guidance to follow. It might be the food that we need in order to grow spiritually. And we could go on and on talking about all of these different aspects of truth as it's found in the Word of God. But whatever form that it takes, as far as us loving it, as far as us rejoicing in it, you know, the, that, that shouldn't matter. If it's true, we ought to rejoice in it. Now, secondly, not only, not only should we rejoice in the truth as it's discovered in the Word of God, we need to rejoice in the truth when the truth is delivered. You know, it's one thing, one thing to discover the truth, and we've done that right here in the Word of God, because this is a declaration of the truth. But love also rejoices when the truth is delivered. In other words, Christians are thrilled when the truth is propagated. They're delighted when the doctrines of Christ are declared. Whenever Paul wrote his letter to the church of the Thessalonians, he, in, in chapter 1 and verse 1 of the first letter, he made this statement. He said, we give thanks to God always for you all. Well, you know, that's a nice thing, you know, to say. Uh, we give thanks to God always for y'all. Uh, but th- then, he, then he proceeds and he says and reminds them how they had received the word in much affliction. And then he added these words, with joy of the Holy Ghost. You see, Paul was thrilled and he was excited whenever he saw how that the truth had been delivered to these people and then by these people. And they, they had proclaimed the truth throughout Macedonia, and Paul is all excited about that. He, he is thrilled to think, here is a church, these people received the Word of God in much affliction and through their hardships and everything, and, and they, you know, discovered the Word of God and received the Word of God, and now they are declaring the Word of God, and he's thrilled about that. Well, you know, whenever you really love the truth, you're going to rejoice when it's proclaimed to other people. You know, that fact tells me that there's something seriously wrong with a lot of people because it's evident that a lot of people do not take any delight in, in listening to preaching and, you know, especially the kind of preaching that is going to get right down where they live and deal with the issues in their life. They don't mind listening to some sermon, you know, about the sweet by and by, but they don't want to touch on anything that's related to the sin in their life. And and, and those same people who take no particular delight in listening to preaching have even less concern 
or desire about getting the truth out to other people. Uh, what, what, a, what a sad day that is. How can we say that we love the truth if we don't have any desire to get it out to other folks? I, I was reading a, a, a little article written by, I can't remember who, it seems like it was John Newton or one of, you know, one of those old timers way back when. And uh, the, the whole crux of the article had to do with uh, the writer putting himself in the place of an unsaved person and saying something to the effect that, you know, I don't believe you really believe. No, you can imagine what the rest was. Uh, you know, I, I don't really believe that you really believe in hell. And he goes on and he elaborates, you know, that it, because if you really believed in hell, you know, you would have talked to me about the Lord. You would have done this. You would have done that. And you know, whenever you really stop and think about it, it's no wonder. It's no wonder that a lot of folks don't take us serious because there's so many times we, you know, we just leave the impression with them that, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's nice to be a Christian, but we're not overly concerned about whether they ever become one or not. And, you know, we're here, I mentioned the, the all of the mega churches today and so forth. And, you know, why is it that there's not so much concern today about planting churches out here in areas where there are no you know, independent, unaffiliated Baptist churches. Let me tell you, if one if one community ought to have an independent, unaffiliated Baptist church, every area ought to have one. There's been so many times, you know, people uh, talking about that, and and somebody said, well, you know, they don't need a church over yonder. They've got, you know, there's old First Baptist Church of Podunk County somewhere, and so uh, that's all they really need. Well, look, it might be all they really need if that is a good, sound, you know, church. Uh, if they're preaching the truth, uh, that's true. But if they're not, regardless of the name on the door of that church, if they're not preaching the truth, that community needs a church. They need a witness to the truth. And as Christian people, we ought to rejoice whenever we see the truth being delivered to others. Uh, for example, whenever we have a missionary come by. And here's a missionary may come fresh off of the field. You know, whether it's, it doesn't make a difference what the particular field is that they come from. But, you know, they come and they, you know, they tell their story. They share their heart. And, and I, I got to tell you, I, you don't always see a lot of excitement over that. It's like, you know, well, I guess he, you know, he's just coming by because he wants an offering, you know, and he's just trying to get some money out of us. And, and I don't think people are nearly as enthusiastic about missions as they used to be years ago. And that's not a blanket indictment against Christians today, but I'm talking about as a general rule. We don't seem to be that excited and thrilled and rejoicing about getting the gospel out to other people. But true love is going to rejoice whenever the truth is delivered to other people. Then there's a third thing that I think we need to consider, and that is that love rejoices when Christian virtues are demonstrated. 
Now, you know, it's one thing whenever the Word of God, the truth is declared when it's delivered to a person or to a community. That's one thing for the Word of God to be proclaimed somewhere. But it's another thing to have the truth put into shoe leather and to literally be put on display uh, among the people. I'm talking about when Christian virtues are demonstrated. Love is grieved over unrighteousness, right? We've already talked about that. Those things that are wrong, those things that are sinful, they're unrighteous. It grieves love, but, but love glories when righteousness prevails. And, and that's why I think love is, you know, always on the lookout for that which is good. Wherever you can find it, love is, is you know, looking for it. Uh, I used to bird hunt a lot, and one of my favorite things in all of the world was to watch a good bird dog go out and find a covey of quail. I mean, it is so amazing, uh, especially when you really know what's going on there and to watch them work and, and, and so forth. And uh, you can just tell whenever they're getting closer and closer, uh, and, and, fi- and finally they discover where they're at. Well, you know, I, I think whenever whenever we love like we ought to, we're going to be on the lookout. Now, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about investigating the lives of everybody so we can find something wrong, but I'm talking about being on the lookout for evidences of Christian virtues in the life of people. I wish I was as good at that as Bev is. She's a lot better at it than I am because I tend to be suspicious of everybody and she tends to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Now, I'm, I, I, I have a more difficult time with that, you know, because I, and I'm not bragging about it. I, I'm just telling you it's one of my weak areas. I, I just tend to not trust very many people. And, uh, and, and I, I guess that's, you know, kind of like me preaching to myself and slapping myself in the face. But, but listen, whenever love is prevailing in our life, we're going to have a desire that we want to discover the good in the lives of other people. Let me, let me tell you, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. I think about the fact that love will cause you to rejoice when you see a young person take a stand for what is right instead of following the crowd, instead of, you know, caving into peer pressure. One of the most thrilling things to me to see some of these young people say, you know, uh, I, I don't care what the other kids at school, whatever they do, you know, I, I'm not going to let them dictate my lifestyle. I know what is right, and I'm going to do what is right. That is a, one of the most thrilling things in the world, to see a young people take a stand for what they know to be the truth. Amen. It might not be a young person. For example, it might be that, that, that we would rejoice over the fact when we see a businessman who operates according to the principles of God's word rather than the profit line. And I, I'm, you know, I'm glad that God's placed some business people in, in, in our church. And I'm also privileged to know that, that these people that operate these businesses do so with the highest integrity. 
I mean, you can trust them. If they tell you something's going to uh, be a certain way, then, you know, they're, they're, they're going to do the job and have integrity. They're not going to try to cheat you or anything. Well, listen, that's one of those Christian virtues that ought to excite us. We ought to be thrilled when we see that in other people. It might be not the young person, you know, and, and not the business person. It might be that the thing that makes us rejoice is whenever we find a politician that that is honest and, and truthful. Oh, I, I know what you're thinking is, yeah, I'm still looking for one of those, yeah. Well, we all are, but let, let me tell you there, uh, none of, listen, none of them are perfect, but thank God every once in a while there will be one that will come along that knows the truth, that loves the truth, that really do want to do the right thing. And that, that ought to be cause for rejoicing. You know, and it doesn't have to be a politician. It, it, might, it might be the poor, hard-working man or woman who gets out there, you know, every day and they, they earn their bread by the sweat of their brow instead of stealing, instead of, instead of, you know, trying to cut corners and get by any way they can. Uh, there's something admirable about that. That is a, a virtue to see somebody willing to work hard and to be honest in what they do. Whatever application that you make, folks, it all boils down to this. The person that truly loves, that is, loves God, loves what is right, they're going to rejoice in the truth wherever you find it, whether it's in the politician, whether it's in the day laborer, whether it's in the young person or whoever it is. That's what love does. It's what the Bible says, Right? Now, let's go back to the beginning, and, and this is where we're going to end. Going back to the very beginning, I talked about the fact that our attitude in, in regards to what love does and what it doesn't do, and especially last week I talked about the fact, what makes you happy, what makes you rejoice? Because whatever it is that makes you rejoice, whatever it is that brings satisfaction and delight to your life, that reveals your true character. I mean, that's, that's what you really are. And, and, and if, if you can laugh at filthy, vile, sinful jokes, if you can smile at sinful situations, if you can take delight in the downfall of other people, if you can rejoice in the things that God condemns, let me tell you, your character is sadly, sadly lacking. There's something wrong. Love doesn't do that. Pastor Stephen Cole made a statement, and I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm going to give you this quote and then one verse of Scripture, and I'm through. But what he wrote was, I thought, so good, so appropriate, I wanted to share it with you word for word. And he said, there is a fine balance to love. I want you to remember that. There's a fine balance to love. Although love is kind and overlooks the faults of others, it does not compromise the truth or take a soft view of sin. To allow another person to go on in sin, whether it is known sin or a blind spot, 
is not to seek his best. It is not love. It is not love. Love will, will sensitively confront other people, correct precisely because it cares deeply and knows that sin destroys. Love rejoices with the truth. Love gets excited when it uh, when it uh, when it hears of spiritual victories love encourages by expressing joy over little evidences of growth i think that was a good way to describe what love does. It doesn't just wink at sin like, oh, well, you know, I love them. You know, I know what they're doing is wrong. It's terrible. It's awful. It's sinful. But, eh, you know, I, I, I love them. I'm not even going to talk about that. No, let me tell you, love has such a deep abiding concern for other people that if need be, it will sit down with them, look them in the eye and say, look, I love you. And I want to help you, and I'm telling you that you are on the wrong course, and you're going to get hurt, and you're going to hurt others. And I just want to help you and pray for you and do whatever I can to get you on the right track. The verse of Scripture is found in Third John. Third John, verse 4. Just the one chapter, but here's verse 4. And John said, I have no greater joy... Now, let me tell you something. That is a, that is a huge statement. No greater joy. Wow. I mean, there must be something big coming up here, right? I have no greater joy. This is on the top of the list. What could he be talking about? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Man, that, that is so awesome. Somebody says, oh, I have no greater joy than, you know, my kid made the honor roll or my kid got accepted into Yale or my kid got a contract with the Yankees or, you know, whatever. I, um, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you, when you, whenever you love your kids and you love the truth, that is exactly right and 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 that's what our heart desires for each and every one love rejoices in the truth and whether it's preached and you know i i think you generally could i know everybody's different everybody doesn't you know shout amen necessarily as much as others or raise their hands or get all excited uh, you know uh, but uh, after a while, when you get to know people, you can tell whether they really enjoy, uh, you know, a message from God's Word, whether they really enjoy preaching or not, or whether they really enjoy a good Sunday school lesson. How could you not enjoy that? How could you not rejoice over the fact that you had the privilege of sitting in a Sunday school class this morning and hearing somebody that loves you expound on the Word of God, the truth. That, that ought to excite you and thrill your heart. 
And may God help us to have this kind of, of great love that would cause us to rejoice in the truth. Amen. Let's all stand together. Father, how we thank you for the truth of your word. How we thank you, Heavenly Father, for uh, seeing it evidenced in the lives of other people, to see those virtues that that only the Holy Spirit can produce in our lives. We're so thrilled to think about the difference that you make in our lives, the change that takes place whenever we receive Christ, and how thankful we are as we think about the young people here tonight, and as well as the older folks, and to see those that that maybe even at a young age, and they've already developed a love for the truth. They're excited about the Word of God, and they're doing their best to live it out uh, before their peers. So I pray you'll help them and strengthen them and help us as a church to be known for proclaiming the truth and by also by living the truth out before other people. Help us to stand for what is right and yet to do it in a spirit of genuine love for and concern for other people. Lord, tonight we know that there are so many that have needs in their life. We think about Scott there in, in, the, in the hospital and the pain he's going through and the problems that he has. And just pray you'll be with him and touch his body. Be with Laverne, especially tomorrow as she starts these treatments and others that have physical needs and, and uh, some that have needs of a different nature. We just pray you'll be with them. Help them and that you'll be glorified in answering our prayer. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and we're going to sing a verse of invitation before we close. Page 202, 202. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. Brother Carl Young, would you word our prayer tonight, please, sir?